let's do this. Let's go in our Bibles, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we are back in our Best Sermon Ever series, and tonight we are closing out the whole chapter 5 of the book of Matthew. We, we will have officially covered it all tonight. Uh, so here's what I want you to do in light of where we're going with the topic tonight. Right now, where you're sitting, I want you to get in your brain a person that you might consider an enemy. I just want you to think about them, okay? If they're in the room, don't look at them. Don't elbow them. Don't throw anything at them. I just want you to think about them, all right? Think about someone right now who you might classify as an enemy. And if maybe you're sitting in your seat going, that's a strong word. I don't know if I can label anybody an enemy, really. Just think about somebody you have a really hard time getting along with. You know that person, right? You can't stand to be around. They just, man, it's hard for you to have any kind of relationship with them. Everybody got that person in their brain? Okay, look up at me. If you have your Bibles, you can look at your Bibles or you can look at the screen. I want us to check out from Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 43, how Jesus says we should respond to these people in our lives. Listen to what he says. Words of Jesus. You've heard it said... You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who's in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Now we're going to talk about all these verses uh, and I'm going to explain to you what all this stuff means, but here's what I want you to know right out of the gate. Okay. Here in this passage, Jesus says, when it comes to those people in our lives that we might call our enemies, Jesus says, we should, instead of hating those people, despising those people, treating those people poorly, badly, whatever, Jesus says we should love those people and that we should pray for them. So that person you, you thought up, right? Maybe still in your brain right now. Jesus says you, as his follower, should love that person and you should pray for that person. Now, I would assume for some of you guys sitting in the room, you hear that and you go, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. Like, Jesus must not know this kid like I know this kid, right? Or this person like I know this person. Because if he did, there's no way in the world he would be asking me to love that person and pray for that person. Like, no way I can love him. I might pray for him. I'm praying to get struck by lightning, right? That's my prayer. But there's no way in the world. This is impossible. Maybe some of you are sitting there thinking to yourself, why in the world would Jesus ask me to do something like this. And I think that is a very fair question and a very good question and a question that we need to answer tonight so that we can fully understand the importance of what Jesus is teaching in the scriptures. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Why would Jesus ask me to love my enemies? Why would Jesus ask me to love my enemies? Here is the very simple answer. Are you ready for it? Here's the simple answer. Because in doing so, we reflect the love of God. Why would Jesus call me to love my enemies? Answer is very simple. Because in loving my enemies, I get to reflect the love 
of God. Jesus says right here in this passage something that speaks to this truth. And he says, you should love and pray for your enemies so that you will be called sons of your father in heaven. Um, Let me kind of explain it like this. All of us in here are children of somebody, aren't we? You didn't just pop up on the earth. Um, Mom and dad made you, right? So with that being said, you as a kid, when your parent asked you to do something, or maybe your family has some values, man, that they've instilled in you or, or some boundaries or rules that they ask you to follow, when you go out and when you do those things, when mom and dad ask you to do something, live a certain way, stay within these boundaries, when you do what mom and dad ask you to do, in a sense, what you're doing is reflecting mom and dad through your life, through your actions to those people watching the way you live, aren't you? So we could look at you and go, that's the son of so-and-so, right? So-and-so wants their kid to do this and their kid's doing this. And so really I can see in their kid's life that they are a reflection of mom's character, dad's character, their virtue, what's important to them. Well, Jesus is saying the same is true for us as followers of Christ, as sons and daughters of God. Jesus says, love and pray for your enemies so that you can be called sons of God, daughters of God. We have been asked by God to do this very simple thing because by doing so, we reflect his character, his love, what's important to him, to the world around us. Reflecting the character of God and the love of God means that we should always, as children of God, love people like God loves people. And according to this book right here, and I'm going to show you this tonight, um, God loves his enemies. He loves his enemies. There's a couple things in this passage that Jesus says that point to this truth. And I just want to point them out for you real quick. Okay, the first thing is this. Jesus makes a statement in this passage that God makes the sun rise on evil people and on good people. And Jesus says that God sends rain on just people and on unjust people. Now, this is a a, a statement that reminds us that God has a sense of love, some sense of love for everything he's created. Okay, if you went and studied theology or, or you know, read some book that teaches Christian doctrine, the, the statement that they would use to, to, you know, teach this would be common grace, common grace. So it simply means this, God is kind to, he shows love to, he blesses, he shows favor to people who love him and people who don't love him. God shows favor and kindness and blessing to people who believe in him and people who don't believe in him. God shows blessing and kindness and favor to people he would call friends and people he would call enemies, right? Um, Some of us are here tonight. We believe in God. We love God. We're trying to follow Jesus and Jesus is taking care of us. We're living. We've got breath in our lungs. We've got a heart beating in our chest. Um, We had food. Sometime today, probably more than once, Um, we just got rain, makes food grow. The sun came up this morning. That's awesome, right? God was kind to us in doing those things. You might be here tonight and you go, I don't buy into this Jesus thing. I don't even know if I believe in God. I don't want to do what that book says. This is all stupid. I'm just here because some chick invited me, right? I would say, dude, I'm glad you're here. God has been kind to you because you ate today. The sun came up on you today. It rained a couple of days ago. Right? God has been kind to you. He's shown you favor. He's shown you love, even though you go, I don't want anything to do with him. Jesus is making a point here that God loves his enemies just as well as he loves his 
friends. If you've ever questioned, does God truly love me? Yes, you are alive. He loves you. And listen to me. If you don't know Jesus and you don't have a relationship with God, God is showing you that kindness and favor in hopes that one day before your life is over, you'll come to know his son, Jesus Christ. He's being patient with you, the Bible says. Why? Because he loves you in hopes that you'll give your life over to Jesus and come into a relationship with him. So Jesus is making a point here. God loves his enemies as well as his friends. Um, Secondly, in this passage, Jesus, when he makes those statements, love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you. Um, Jesus is using a very specific word in the original Greek language that that the New Testament's written in that speaks to the character and love of God, okay? There are four Greek words that that, uh, the people back in that time and the people still today in Greece use to talk about love, okay? One of those is called storge, and this is an affectionate kind of love. It's it's the kind of love that would describe like a mom and dad's love for their kid, okay? Um, There's a, a type of love that the Greek people talk about called phileo love. This is brotherly love. This is the love you would have for a friend, okay, a close friend. Um, there's eros. This is the kind of love the Greeks would use to talk about romantic love. It's a love a husband and wife would share. And then there's another love called agape love. And this is the word that Jesus uses in this passage when he says, love your enemies, love your enemies and pray for them. Agape love is simply this. It is unconditional love. It's the type of love that we show people even when they don't deserve to be loved. I love this definition if you want to write it down. Agape love is love for no reason at all. That's what agape love is. It is a love that goes above and beyond expectations, circumstances, love people have shown us. It it, it goes beyond all that. Now, here's the question I want to raise tonight and get you thinking about. Isn't it true, and we just sang about this, and so many of these songs we just sang. Isn't it true that this is exactly how God loves us? He loves us according to this book. God loves us unconditionally. And he loves us in spite of us not really giving him plenty of reason to, to actually love us. God loves us in spite of ourselves. I, I want you to listen to what Romans chapter 5 says. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and I think he sums this up beautifully. It's up here if you want to follow along. Paul says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Guys, aren't you glad that God loves his enemies? Because if God didn't love his enemies, every single one of us in the room would be, would be stuck in our sin, very hopeless people on our, on our way to a very, very real place called hell to spend all of eternity separated from God. God is good because he's a God who loves his enemies. And Paul says it, man. He says, listen, God loved us when we were at our worst. He loved us when we were weak, helpless, could do nothing for ourselves, sinful people. If you keep reading this passage in verse 10, Paul actually calls us enemies of God. This is what makes the good news about Jesus Christ so good. The good news about Jesus is this, is that Jesus came to pursue his enemies and to make them into friends. And why? Because God loves his enemies. This is great news. 
In Matthew 5, Jesus tells us as his followers, we need to love or agape our enemies. We need to love our enemies just like God loved us. In spite of the fact that they're our enemies, in spite of how they treat us, in spite of how they talk about us, we need to love them even when they don't give us reason to and even when they give us reason not to. Jesus says we should love our enemies. And I love this. Jesus says, if you're not willing to do that, you're no better than tax collectors and pagans. He goes, man, even people really, really far from God can love people who are easy to love. He goes, I I want you to go above and beyond that. I want you to love the hard people, the, the, the people that are very hard to love, people that you would consider enemies. I want you to love them. That's why we love our enemies. We love our enemies because God loved us when we were his enemies and we've got a responsibility to show people that same kind of love. Now, here's what I want to do next. I want to tell you how we should love our enemies. Because maybe you're sitting in your seat and you're going, well, James, that sounds fantastic. I love that. Praise God. He loves his enemies and he saved me and he rescued me and he forgave me of my sin and gave me eternal life. That's awesome. But James, this still seems really, really hard. You don't know this person I thought about. You don't know what they've done to me. You don't know how they treat me. You don't know how they've talked about me. How in the world, James, am I supposed to love them and and beyond that, pray for them? How am I supposed to do that? Okay, here's a simple answer. You you ready? Earth-shattering answer. You just choose to. You choose to love them and pray for them. I think one of our biggest issues with this topic of, of love, especially where you're at as teenagers, man, is we see love as purely just an emotion or a feeling. And love is so much more than that. Liking someone has to do with emotions and feelings, doesn't it? Like, you ever been in that room, person walks in and you're instantly like drawn to them? You just hit it off, man. This person's awesome. We're going to be friends forever. You get that feeling, right? That's, that's liking someone. Or again, that person walks in a room and you're like, two minutes conversation, get me out of here, someone save me. That's an emotion, that's a feeling. That's, I don't really like this person. Love is so much more than that. Love, and if you're taking notes, write this down. Love is about the will. Love is about the will, W-I-L-L. Love is a choice. Love is much more than a certain emotion and feeling that you have about somebody. It is you choosing to treat someone well in spite of how you might feel about them. Love is a choice. It's a choice. I'll give you an example of this from my life. I had a friend um, back in high school, and I've, I've shared this story before with some of you guys, but... Uh, Good dude, we hung out for a while. We used to sing, do some music stuff together. Uh, this was one of those guys, and guys, you're going to know what I'm talking about, some of you. You ever had that buddy who, like, every girlfriend you have, he's, like, trying to creep up on? You know what I'm saying? Like that, dude, just like, bro, back off my girl. I'll kill you right now. He, he was that kind of dude, right? Um, well, I just remember th- there was this one specific girl I dated in high school, and he wouldn't leave her alone. And he'd show up at her house, and he would try to do all this craziness I won't go into. Well, I remember her one night showing or calling me and telling me, 
dude showed up at my house and, uh, dude, he tried to pull the moves out on me. Well, instantly, man, I'm in, I'm, I'm furious. Like I used to kill people back in the day for stuff like this. And I wanted to fight this dude. And I'm like, where are you at? Let's meet up. I'll tear your head off right now. And, um, here's what happened over time though. Here's what happened over time though. As I matured and as I got older and I started growing my faith and I still saw this guy out and about. And I'll be honest with you, there was a time there, man, probably a couple of years where I could not stand him. Every time I saw his face, I thought about him. I just wanted to destroy him, okay? Ruin his life. Struck by lightning. God pray, strike, strike him. Um, but as I started to kind of understand more of the things that we're talking about tonight, I started to understand that if I was really going to follow Jesus, I couldn't be like that toward him. No matter how he treated me, no matter how he acted when we were in high school, um, I had to be better than that. I had to be different than that. So I remember seeing him a few years after this and uh, running into him and, and, and we played um, some ball together like when I was in college and I made it a point to go out of my way to be nice to him, to treat him well, um, just to let that stuff go. And I just remember coming to this place where I just felt free, right? From all that I felt, all the anger, all the hostility, all the whatever, I want to kill you. Um, And I just started to really make a choice in spite of how I felt about him to treat him well, to not speak badly about him behind his back or what he, when he wasn't around, I made a choice. And the choice I made was, it's hard for me to like this guy sometimes, but I'm going to choose to love him because um, God loved me when I was his enemy. So I'm going to love this dude. This is what love is about. So I'm making a choice in spite of how you might feel about someone because of a certain circumstance or in a certain moment. Going back to what I mentioned earlier about God's love for us, I want you to get this, man. You got to remember that God chose to love you. He chose that when it didn't make sense. Do you really think that Jesus felt like leaving heaven and coming to this earth and living 33 years of his life here simply to go to a cross and to die a horrific, shameful painful death for you. You think he felt like that? You think he wanted to go through hell for you and for me? You think that Jesus really felt like, I got nothing better to do today. Might as well go die in their place for their sins, right? Nothing better to do today. Might as well go take some nails through the hands and the feet. Might as well go get scourged and beard ripped out and beaten within an inch of my life. That's what I feel like doing. I mean, I didn't feel like doing that. To the point where the night before Jesus died for the sins of the world, he's in the garden praying to God. And the Bible says he is under so much stress that he's literally sweating drops of blood. And he's praying to God, if there's any other way, God, let's do it a different way. I don't want to do this. And it went beyond the physical pain for Jesus. Jesus understood that he was about to take your punishment for your sin, my punishment for my sin at the cross. He was about to go through hell for us. He didn't feel like doing that. But you know what he did? He chose to do it. And he chose to do it out of his love for you and for me. Love is a choice. And we have to choose to love other people. Specifically here, Jesus is saying, our enemies in the same exact way. Even when we don't feel like it, when they don't give us reason to, we choose to love them. We choose to love them. Why? Because God loved us. 
That's why. I, I want us to go, um, and you can flip here if you'd like, Romans chapter 12. Paul talks about the choice that you and I have to make when it comes to loving our enemies. And uh, I, I just want to read a few of these verses together from Romans 12. And uh, we're going to start in verse 17. I, I want you to check this out, what he says. Paul says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. There it is. Did you hear that? Don't repay evil for evil, but give thought. Give thought, right? Think about it. I tell you this all the time. When it comes to following Jesus, leave your brain on. Leave it on. Think about stuff. Paul is saying, make a choice here. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Paul says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul says we have some choices to make when it comes to our enemies. And here are the choices. Don't take revenge on your enemies. This is what we talked about a couple weeks ago, right? Don't seek revenge. Lay down some of your rights. You're following Jesus now. Your life isn't just yours anymore. We don't seek revenge when it comes to our enemies. He says, choose to live at peace with everybody. Choose to live at peace. Some of us in the room that stir up drama and controversy everywhere we go, you have a choice to make. The choice you have to make is, I'm going to quit doing that. I'm going to quit being dumb. I'm going to quit stirring up drama. I'm going to live peaceably with everyone. This depends on you making a choice. Paul says you do that when it comes to people and your enemies specifically. Um, We have to choose to trust God to defend us as his kids. Remember a couple weeks ago I mentioned this? So many times we want to repay people for how they've treated us, what they've done to us, how they've talked back to us. Paul says, no, no, God will take care of that. You're his kid. He loves you. He's got your back. Don't worry about it. He'll take care of you. We have to choose to do that. We have got to choose, listen to this, to take care of our enemies. How about that? Paul says, if your enemy's hungry, give him some food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. We have got to choose to take care of people who we might call our enemies. And, and I love this, this picture. Paul says, when you do that, when you're nice to those people you'd call enemies, it's like you're pouring burning coals on their head. That's a weird statement, right? Um, but here's what Paul's getting at. He goes, you treat your enemies like that in hopes that they'll start to be ashamed of the way they're acting and living and they'll repent and they'll place their faith in Jesus Christ because of the love that you're showing them. And Paul goes, you choose to overcome evil with good. You don't just try to get even. You don't, you don't try to be evil yourself. You overcome evil with good. We choose to do these things. Um, as I was studying for this message, I came across this quote in one of the commentaries that I was reading. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I want you to listen to this. This guy's name is James Boyce. He says this about us as, as followers of Jesus. He says, you are the closest some men and women will ever get to Jesus Christ. Let, let me just reread the first part. Listen to it. You are the closest some men and women will ever get to Jesus Christ. If they do not see Christ's love in you, they will never see it. 
We'll never see it. You're the closest that some people will ever get to Jesus. If they don't see his love in you, they will never see it. Listen to me, guys. Tonight, knowing that God loved us while we were his enemies and knowing that there are people in our lives that will never know this to be true unless we show them love, this has to be reason enough for us to choose to love our enemies. It has to. It has to. I want to go, um, I know we're flipping around um, a little bit. I want to go back to Matthew 5. We're going to close with this last verse from Matthew 5. At the end of Matthew 5, Jesus makes a statement after he tells us about loving our enemies. And he says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father's perfect. That is a big statement, isn't it? Jesus goes, hey, um, as my followers, be perfect. Be perfect. Why? Because God is Perfect. This is a big, big, big statement. But I want to point something out to you and and just make sure you get this. You guys in here that know Jesus, you do understand that the goal of your Christian life is to be perfect, right? Some of you don't know how to respond to that. Some of you are going, is he messing with us? Is he like, is that for real? Am I supposed to not or go? No, that's not it. No, I'm, I'm being serious. Jesus just said it. Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. The goal of your Christian life is perfection. Did you know that? Now the type of perfection I'm not talking about is you trying to walk out of here and be very religious and follow all these rules and be self-righteous and look how awesome I am. I'm so good. I'm so perfect. You're annoying. Don't do that. That's not the perfect I'm talking about. That's annoying. The perfect I'm talking about is this, is as you consistently and constantly pursue Jesus, dig into that book and you draw close to God and you pursue him and develop your relationship with him, you know the closer you get to Jesus, the more perfect you become, right? Like the closer you follow Jesus, the closer you are to perfection. And this is what Jesus is reminding us of. He's going, listen, you need to be perfect because your heavenly father is perfect. Jesus is not calling us to go out and to be religious or to be self-righteous. He's calling us to press in to God like we never have before. Pursue perfection. Pursue perfection. And the more you pursue perfection, the closer you're going to get to perfection. Tonight, in light of what we're reading, um, guess how we pursue perfection? You know what we do? We love and pray for our enemies. That's how we pursue perfection. So guess what we're going to do tonight? I'm going to ask you to do something hard, okay? Um, That person that was in your brain at the beginning of the service, I want you to pray for him. I want you to pray for him. Some of you guys are still going, ah, can I really pray they get struck by? No, you can't pray that. I want you to pray for him. And and listen to me, I'm going to kind of direct you, okay? We're going to pray something. If they don't know Jesus, I want you to pray that they come to know Jesus. First and foremost, above all else. But I also want you to pray that God would bless their lives. God would show kindness to them. That God, through people and circumstances, would show them exactly what they need to be shown to see who Jesus is. I want you to pray for your enemies. Here's the thing, guys. And I 
I got a few weeks left with you. More than anything, I want to know that when I step out of here, that you're going to be a bunch of students who just go and, and you do what this book says because you love Jesus. That's my heart for you. Like, I can't get up here and just teach this book and lay it down and go, awesome, we learned some stuff, let's leave. And No, man, I want us to do what this book says. And if this book says that God loved us while we were his enemies and we should love people like that and we should pray for those people, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And we're not going to do it begrudgingly and we're not going to do it because, well, that book just says to do it. We're going to do it because we love Jesus. We're going to do it because we love Jesus and we want other people around us to love Jesus. That's why we're going to do it. And so, man, I'm going to ask you tonight, pray for your enemies. I, I just want us to bow our heads, close our eyes, and uh, look, let's just do this first. Right in your seat. I just want you to pray, and I want you to thank God for loving you while you were his enemy. I want you to thank him. I want you right now in this moment to thank God that while you were stuck in your sin, hopeless, the Bible says you were spiritually dead. You could do nothing to change that. Thank God that he sent Jesus into the world to rescue you. You were his enemy and he loved you in spite of it. Maybe you're here tonight and uh, I feel like we need to do this before we pray for other people. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus. And you've heard tonight that God loves you and that he sent his son Jesus for you. I just want to give you an opportunity right now in this moment to place your faith in Jesus as your Savior. The, the Bible says that to become a friend of God, it's, it's very simple. You believe Jesus is who he said he is, and you believe that Jesus came to this earth and did what he said he came to do. You believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came to this earth and he lived a sinless life, and at the end of his life, he died in your place so that you could be forgiven of your sin, so that you could be loved and accepted by God. You believe that after he died, he rose from the grave three days later to give you eternal life, to conquer sin and death and hell on your behalf so that when this life is over, you can live for the rest of eternity in his presence. The Bible says you believe those things, you confess those things, that God will save you. You will go from being his enemy to being his friend. You'll go from being his enemy to his son or his daughter. Tonight in this place, I just want to invite you, if you need to make that decision, you can just pray and confess those things in the quietness of your heart right now in this moment. For the rest of us, I just want us right now, get that person back in your mind. That person you were thinking about earlier in the, in the night. First and foremost, if they don't know Jesus, I want you right now to pray that they would come to know Jesus. Pray for their salvation. Pray that God would open their eyes to see Jesus. 
all he is, all he's done for them. Whatever else you want to pray for him, just pray for him. Ask God to show up in their lives, to bless them, to change their hearts. And I want you to ask God right now in this moment to help you to be a reflection of his love and his character to that person. I don't want to pray for them. We don't want to just pray for them. We want to go love them. We need God in order to do that in his strength and his power, his Holy Spirit. So I want you to pray, God, help me to love that person, to truly be a reflection of your love and character, to truly show them the same type of love that you've shown me in sending your son Jesus into this world. I want you to pray for that. Father, we thank you so much for loving us when we were at our worst. We thank you, God, for moving us, God, from enemy status to friend status through the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus. We thank you for doing something for us that we could never in a million years do for ourselves. God, and I pray that out of our love for you, out of our love for your son, Jesus, God, that we would go and love other people. God, with the same love that you've shown us, that agape love, unconditional love, love for no reason at all, that divine, supernatural love that surpasses understanding. God, and points people to who you are. God, we love you so much. And we thank you for all that you are and all you've done for us. God, continue to work on our hearts. Change us. Make us more like your son.